Hi, welcome to the Real Women Podcast. Our goal is to live as relatable, empowered, authentic women, where we discuss relatable topics, are empowered by God's word, and authentically live who God has created us to be. We are so excited to have you join us. If you have never tuned in to Real, we're glad that you're here. We will be dropping a new episode on the first Monday of each month to discuss real topics that real women face. And I am here with my my co-host or my podcast co-host. I don't really know what you call it, but I've got Dr. T, we've got Mary, and we have Leon. And again, we are just so grateful that you're joining the conversation this month. Before we dive in, though, to our topic, we thought it's really fun just to start off with a little icebreaker, something that we can just kind of get to know um, us a little bit better. So we want to call it our real rapid fire question. So our real rapid fire question this month is what is one thing that you do to recharge after a long day? I'm sure none of you guys have that, though, right? I mean, none of you really have long days. <laughs> Never, ever <laughs> do I have one. <laughs> what do you do that helps you recharge? Um, well, being more of like an introverted person, I think that what helps me after a long day is just sitting down and being with myself for a while and just like taking time <laughs> to embrace the quiet and to embrace the pause and to embrace um, the solitude. Because when you have like all of your task lists and you have all of like the people and all of like the, the business stuff and all of the ministry tasks and all of it, it's important for me to just be by myself and doing something that I enjoy that doesn't involve doing something. Mm. Yes. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. something that I enjoy like doing artwork or watching TV or listening to music or playing the piano it has to be something out of pure enjoyment, not mm. some, getting something done, not doing something that's efficient, just being by myself and doing something that I enjoy. That's what helps me after a long day. That helps me Leon, I rejuvenate. didn't know that you did art and played piano. I had some things to learn about you. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, I'm not nearly so creative. I feel like when I when I feel like it's been a long day, um, when I come home, it's I'm usually hungry. <laughs> and the best and hangry and the best yep. thing for me to do is get something to eat yes agree mm -hmm. what about you dr t are you a bubble bath person what do we do so i used to be but and now i have like this luxurious tub and i haven't even used it yet so maybe i'll implement mm -hmm. that you know how like <laughs> you don't have something and you're like oh i wish i had one of those soaking tubs yeah and I didn't have one before, and now I have one, and I literally haven't used it, and I've been here for three months. Yeah. That's really sad. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Got to put that thing to use, Tisha. Right? I, I mean, baths and bath bombs. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I don't know what I do to relax after. I'm not good at relaxing. I'm learning how to do it, mm -hmm. um, but I'm not good at it. I'm mm -hmm. usually juggling multiple jobs. Mm -hmm. multiple careers at once so usually yeah. if I've had a long day at my traditional job I still come home and work at one of my side jobs yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I asked my son the other day like give me three words that describe my that describe me he was like disciplined I was like dang it <laughs> <laughs> what were the other two 
Um, oh, now I can't remember that. I got shocked by that one. I don't think, I don't even think I heard the other two after he said this. Um, I can't remember, but yeah, that was one of the words. I was like, I need to learn how to relax. I don't really know how to do it. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I need to figure that yeah. out. I am the next rapid fire and I'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, I am. I'm like in the same boat as you. I, I struggle with relaxing too. I struggle just sitting still. Mm-hmm. I feel like I always have to do something. If it's not work related, it's something around the house or I'm even like planning for like the next thing for, you know, whatever is to come, whatever that may be. But I think relaxing, I might, if I really do have a chance to relax, it probably looks like a combination of everything that, that you mentioned. Like Mary, eating, yes, mm-hmm. eating. I actually... Um, I really indulged in some like brownies this week, probably almost in an unhealthy way. I think I ate like, like the majority of the pan by myself, (laughs) but it was so, it was just so good. I was like, it's just like soul food. It's just good for my soul. And it just, I don't know, little things like, I guess, like rejuvenate me like that. Like, like what's better than some chocolate? I don't know. Mm. But I was like, this can't obviously turn into a habit. I mean, <laughs> like, were they, they really warm, Jen? What? Were they warm? Um, well, not, I actually, um, they weren't warm. I, after I baked them, I let them cool. And then mm-hmm. I, I iced them, which I don't normally do, but I made a chocolate frosting to go on mm-hmm. top of them. Oh my gosh. And they were like, so unbelievably good. They didn't even have to be warm. They were like perfectly fudgy and sweet. And I, I just, I literally kept, I stopped counting like how many times per day I would go and get another little sliver (laughs) of it. And then before you know, it's like, Oh my gosh, who ate all my brownies? You know, (laughs) but yeah. Um, but relaxing is a little bit of everything. It's eating, it's, um, yeah, watching TV or something, even if it's just like 10 minutes, sometimes that's all I need is just like 10 minutes. Cause if I'm really sitting longer than that, I'm probably falling asleep. <laughs> so <laughs> anyways, all right. So let's, let's dive into the topic. So this month we're tackling a, a new topic and it's monolithic living. So if you've never heard that word before, I thought it'd be really good to start with the working definition of this. And it's something that's just kind of short and sweet, but basically in a nutshell, monolithic living is a group of people who are thought of as being all the same. So what are some examples of monolithic living that come to mind for you guys? Well, you guys know I have a list. <laughs> go for I don't it. Know if you want me to go first? <laughs> go, for I mean, it. go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't know. Part of me wants to like say what I put in the pre-discussion notes and just mm. stay on task. <laughs> <laughs> but you all know I can go rogue sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but As a black woman, there are just so many. One of the main thing that irritates me the most is that we're not smart, we're unintelligible. Like, and it isn't very obvious in how people engage us in that way. It's assumed that we just don't know how to do stuff or we're not smart enough to do things. Um, That we are unconditionally subdued and submissive, that we're angry um, that we, which is crazy to me, like that 
those are just as opposed to one another. It's like, you're saying I'm angry all the time, but you're also saying that I'm completely subdued and, and submissive. Like those two things don't even go together. <laughs> yeah. um, that all black people can dance, I cannot. <laughs> that we all have rhythm, <laughs> that we all have some athletic or musical talent. Um, there's, the list is so long. Um, that black women don't have a high tolerance of pain. They're the list. I could go on. We don't have enough time on this podcast for me to say my list, but <clears throat> those are examples as a black woman, um, things that are assumed about me based on a monolithic, um, viewpoint of living with regards to being black and with regards to being black and female. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I would guess that as living as a minority within a culture, you you experience that more than people who are in the majority population because uh, it's easy to look at the minority population and think they're all the same, they're monolithic. Whereas the majority population would probably be less likely to see ourselves that way. Is that, am I on the right track with that, do you think? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that there is an assumption that the uh, that everything that's a major race, major race, majority race being white, everything that they live, believe, practice, experience is what we're experiencing and we should have knowledge of it. Mm -hmm. um, I remember having a conversation with a coworker who was white and you all know I tend to break out in songs sometimes in conversation. It's just my personality. And I started <laughs> singing Aretha Franklin's um, Respect. Uh, and she had no idea who Aretha Franklin was, but then was upset with me. She named some artists that I had no clue. And she's like, how could you not know? How could you live in America and not know who this person is? And I was like, how could you live in America and not know who Aretha Franklin is? Aretha Franklin, how do you not know who Aretha Franklin is? But I think that there are assumptions that the white experience, since it is the majority experience, that we should have all knowledge of it and what it is like. Mm. And within our culture, it's challenging because we have, to, we have to exist and thrive in a world that is majority white, um, which sometimes imposes some of those monolithic, um, well, monolithic, monolithic to me is just another word for stereotype. It's a new way of saying stereotype, yeah. a fancier way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. But just, we, we, tend to, or sometimes have to lean into some of those stereotypes because they're expected of us, mm. but it may not necessarily be our truth, which makes us more obvious and probably is an easier assumption for the majority race to say, well, all black people are this, or all uh, brown people are this, or yeah. whatever the minority grouping may be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Can we put you on the spot, Leon? Sure. <laughs> Do you, do you feel that with having Asian heritage? Well, when I think of the term monolithic, um, my, my, my first thought 
was not necessarily towards my Asian heritage. And I will say that there have been like a lot, I have had several experiences throughout um, my life that have pointed in that certain, that certain area. However, I wanted to kind of um, go off of uh, Tish's point in where monolithic is about a stereotype. However, I will say that stereotype is, I think that it can also be pointed towards not necessarily a race, but also, or as ethnicity, but it can also be pointed towards um, the values of your culture. And it'll also be kind of, um, I hope I just didn't go out. We missed um, you just for a second. Just for a second. I don't, I don't know why my phone always does that. <laughs> but I feel that um, as if monolithic living could be, let's say that there's an outsider and they look at the church mm-hmm. and they see Grace Church is a bunch of white suburban people and they all think the same thing and they all think the same way. I have this conversation with many of my friends who are not believers. Mm-hmm. Monolithic thinking is like, oh, well, they're all just a bunch of middle class white people. They wouldn't know what it's like to live like me. And, and maybe that person is somebody who's from necessarily a lower income. Well, you don't know that about Grace Church. You haven't been in, you haven't even been inside the walls of Grace Church. You don't know the diversity inside of Grace Church. So that's what comes to mind when I think of monolithic living and a monolithic assumption of a stereotype. Mm-hmm. That's kind of where my mind was going. And I don't think that it's only Grace Church. I think that there is an assumption about the American church that like, especially with churches of our size, mm-hmm. where it's like, all of you are white suburban, middle class and upper middle class. Mm-hmm. You don't know what it's like. You don't know what it's like to struggle. Yeah. You're all somewhat rich. That's why mm-hmm. you're in mega churches. You don't give to the poor. However, you don't know the donations that Grace Church has made. You don't know the projects that we've yeah. been doing. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's kind of that's kind of where my mind is at. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like most stereotypes, a lot of it based on Assumption. less actual information. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. too. So, so one part of monolithic living is that we stereotype people, and we 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 think that they're all the same. I think mm-hmm. another part of it is that we sort. We sort into um, people, communities that are like us, that mm-hmm. maybe look like us, think like us, vote like us. Mm-hmm. You know, I wonder. Um, Categorize. Cat- yeah, yeah, we do. Um, and I wonder, like, um, for people, if we were to make a list of our friends, our closest friends, and then go through and kind of evaluate is this person my same race, ethnicity? Is this person um, have similar persuasions in the political realm? They have similar mm-hmm. ideologies about social issues that the tendency is to sort to be people that we are like. And I think we're going to talk about that more in a little bit, but I think that's part of monolithic living as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it drives stereotypes deeper. I think it was so interesting is like just hearing you guys um, just talking about this. You know, when I was thinking through this, I was trying to figure out I'm like, where do like, where have I experienced this? And, you know, like what kind of a, what kind of a piece could I even offer in this? Um, but, you know, it's funny. I, I grew up in, you know, small town area 
um, not a lot of diversity, a little bit of like a, a bubble sort of community where, you know, everybody knows each other, but like you're kind of in some ways oblivious or protected from a lot of like the, the things that it's like really going on in the world. And, and so I always felt like a lot of people like viewed me as just really ignorant to like what's going on and almost sort of like, well, you just are, you know, must be so privileged. You've been so sheltered and, you know, like you have no idea like what, you know, it's like to like, kind of like what you were saying, Leanne, about like people's assumptions, even with maybe people um, at Grace Church, you know, it's just like, oh, like, you, you know, it just, it feels like you're privileged and everything's been handed to you. But when you really sit down and hear the stories of a lot of people, it's unbelievable what you begin to unpack when people just open up and they, you, you take the time to listen and share what it is that they've been through, what they've experienced. Mm -hmm. And it, it might be different from things that you've experienced, but like, it's unbelievable to me, the things that you would look at someone and think like, I've got them pegged. They are just like this. And yeah, they're yeah. talking and it's like, wow, I never would have guessed. I had no idea. So and what would drive that assumption further is distancing yourself and like what you're saying and not talking yeah. to that person. Like Tisha said earlier that there's a stereotype that black women are uneducated. Well, if you could totally believe that and make that up in your head, until you go and you spoke to that person and figured out, oh, wow, maybe I was like completely wrong. Yeah. And that was just something that I assumed in my head, you know? Right. So what drives and, and makes that assumption deeper and deeper and deeper is isolating yourself and separating yourself further and further from the truth. Mm -hmm. So I came across this quote that says, so many people seem to spend their lives trying to appear normal, predictable, and consistent to themselves and those that surround them. They just end up bored with themselves, bereft of any depth of inner resources, suffocated by the inhibitions that defend their own monolithic identities. What are your thoughts? Agree? Disagree? Well, I think aspects of this statement are true um i do find myself overcompensating in some areas to dispel some of the stereotypes and some mm -hmm. of the monolithic perceptions i think that's probably why i've been such an overachiever in my life um because very young i was labeled um and and this is not to sound like full of myself or conceited or anything like that but very young, I was labeled because I'm pretty, I don't need to be smart. Mm. So I already had to, ha was working against that. And mm -hmm. then on top of it, I'm a black female. Mm -hmm. um, I actually had a family relative say to me, oh, you don't, don't worry about that, honey. You're pretty, you'll be fine. <laughs> wow. Um, so I think in my attempt to, to conform or to fit in sometimes. Um, that makes that statement true, which makes me boring and um, I guess normalizes me. But I have a problem with the word normal. Like what is normal? Like who's that? Who decided that right. the barometer for normal? Mm -hmm. But that's a whole nother tangent. Anyway, <laughs> um, so I think that part of me, I would consider it has been normalized based on what whoever made that barometer or that standard. Mm -hmm. um, but then 
the actual most genuine parts of myself are not. Um, I feel like I don't fit in any category. Mm-hmm. A lot of the things that they use to cl- classify how I should live being a female, being black, being Christian, any of those three three labels, whatever box they want to put me in with regards to those three labels, I think I don't fit in any of those um, categories mm-hmm. with regards to how they're defined mm-hmm. and how other people see them in relation to monolithic living or the Mm -hmm. monolithic perception of what those three categories should look like. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, if we think about the stereotypes of Christianity, I am not there. I think a lot of people view Christians as legalistic Christians Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that, that Christianity has to look one way. And if you don't look that way, then you are not a Christian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. that's like don't drink and there's it's the big ones right don't drink don't smoke don't fornicate like that's the list <laughs> be nice to everybody don't ang- ever be angry like the list is so ridiculous it dehumanizes every person who professes christianity mm-hmm. so i do not fall in, into to those stereotypes <clears throat> because i do get mad but i'm also not an angry black woman like <laughs> <laughs> I feel like God got mad, Christ got mad, but I'm not allowed to be mad. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, there are so many reasons why this statement is a combination of both. And I think, and I don't want to say that specific to Black women. I think that we all, in some way, conform to what the monolithic perception of us should be. Mm-hmm. We can't navigate the world without doing so. Mm-hmm. If we isolated and just became hermits, then yeah, you can <laughs> you can avoid all stereotypes. Right. <laughs> but I think we live in a world that requires us to morph into different expectations or perceptions of who we should be in mm-hmm. order to navigate the world well. And not just survive, but to actually thrive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was just thinking, like, when I was kind of reading it, the one specific um, aspect of the quote where it says, um, consistent to themselves and those that surround them, like, we spend a lot of time trying to be consistent to like who we think we are, kind of like what you were saying, I think, Dr. T, about expectations, like maybe the expectations that are set up based on maybe the roles or just like who we are, who we think we ought to be. And then also pairing ourselves with like those like-minded people or people that we feel like are like who we're trying to model after. But one of the things that I'm highly passionate about is growth and I know for a fact that if you're going to grow in any kind of an area of your life, it's going to require change. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to have to push you outside of your normal sphere of whatever it is that you do. And like one of the ways that I like to give like just an example of it is like, for instance, like I like to, I work out, I work out um, like Monday through Friday. And there's a, there's times when I can get into this, 
kind of like slump where I'm just doing the same thing over and over for several weeks, maybe even a month. And then I'm sitting there like, why is nothing changing? Why am I not seeing any progress? Why is like nothing happening? I'm just like, I've plateaued, you know? And it's funny that it's, I think it's harder for us to recognize when we plateau in other areas, like when it comes to like relationships, when it comes to just like our own, our own spiritual growth or like whatever, you know, kind of levels of growth in our life that we need to have. And the problem is, is that we're just, we're stuck just doing all the same things. We're yeah. around the people and we're in the same little um, communities or the same spaces trying to like pair up with people that are very similar to us. And so it's like, of course, like, no wonder, like we're not going anywhere. No wonder, like nothing's changing. So that was the part that I like, I, I got from that. But I think, Go ahead. I think the world sends us a message that we should only be around like-minded people. I mean, like, I'm not a huge social media scroller. Like I post and kind of get off. I occasionally look, but I'm not a huge social media scroller. Like I just don't understand the fascination of scrolling for, for hours on end. I just can't even wrap my head around it. But anyway, <laughs> um, I totally lost my point. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. So there's like tons of messages out there that are like, cancel culture, right? Like, if you don't agree with my mindset, if you don't agree with the way I'm living, then, you know, you don't have to be in my sphere. You don't have to be my friend. Right. There's so many messages like that. And we're bombarded with messages like that. And then there's this encouragement of like self-care. If you care for yourself, you wouldn't be around people with such conflicting views. And I'm like, well, that's the opposite. Like, if you want to grow, yeah. Self-care is to be around someone with conflicting views yeah. and then talk through them. I, mm -hmm. I don't even know. I, I think about this brings me to another point of like, I think about parenting and do we teach our kids conflict resolution and how to live amongst people who are different from us, who may mm -hmm. have different views than us, different mm -hmm. religions, different mm -hmm. skin color, different, whatever, just different. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't think we do. I think we have created a culture where we're like, don't play with a Jimmy because Jimmy stole, um, the apple from the teacher's desk. Don't be around Jimmy. Well, maybe your kid needs to be around Jimmy to show Jimmy what it looks like not to have that behavior. Right. And maybe your kid needs to be around Jimmy so they can learn how to resist temptation. Like, but we immediately are like separating our kids from what we consider to be the bad apple, so to speak. Oh, we're a podcast. Mm -hmm. I can't see my ear quotes. Oh, well. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I just feel like we're so, we've created a world where we're so intentional about separating ourselves and only grouping with people who are like-minded and I'm like, doesn't that become mundane? You're just literally having the same conversation over right. and over again. Like, right. I remember being invited by a group of, an old group of friends. This was years ago. And we would literally just sit around and talk the whole time. And I would be like, don't you want to play a game? Don't you want to do activity? <laughs> and they were like, no, we're just socializing. I'm like, this is not socializing. We get together all the time and have the same conversations. And talk about the same things. 
mm-hmm. and we're not doing anything mm-hmm. we're learning from one another like like girl you gave me that same cookie recipe the last time i was here like what? <laughs> <laughs> i think the danger too like when we sort ourselves into just being with people who are like we are is that we bring our opinions in and everybody else has the same opinion. So then we just affirm those opinions yeah. and we go deeper into yes. our own opinions instead of being stretched and yeah. forced to think and see things from different perspectives. I just find it so rich to have friends who think differently than I do and to be able to, to say, well, oh, you see that differently than I do. Can you explain? I, I'd love to understand more about why you see it that way. And believe mm-hmm. it or not, I'm not always right. I mean, it's right. shocking right. to me. That sometimes, <laughs> sometimes my opinions weren't weren't right, you know. And I I yeah. learn from other people. I learn from their experiences and their opinions and their learning and all those kinds of things. And so I think it's especially di- dangerous yeah. when we and back to something um, that we talked about earlier. That's one of the things that I totally love about our church is that there's diversity of of background, of socioeconomic levels, of political beliefs, of opinions about things. And, and I just find that to be so stretching. Mm-hmm. And, and it pushes me to go back then to the word of God and say, mm-hmm. okay, all these people are saying all these things. What does the word of God say? Instead of just saying, oh, I think this, everybody else thinks that same thing. So it must be right. Yeah. Yeah. When it's I like stepped you- in, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, it's like we build our own algorithms. You know how Google, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. they build yes. an algorithm for us. It's mm-hmm. like we build our own life algorithms. Like, yeah, yes. that's it. <laughs> yep. yep, I like this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You I know, like- I, I looked up some stats earlier as I was just um, thinking about what we were talking about today. And I found it interesting um, that, okay, talking about race and ethnicity and how people form friendships, right? Mm-hmm. 70%, seven out of 10 white people say that all or most of their close friends are the same race or ethnicity. Yep. Seven wow. out of 10 have mm-hmm. have nobody different than them in race mm-hmm. or ethnicity. Yep. That's sad. That's yeah. so, you're missing out on so much of life if you're not yeah. interacting with other, with people from other other backgrounds yeah and it's not like we in cleveland are living in a city that's not diverse right and we it's not like we're living in a country where we're not living in japan people (laughs) where most of the population is japanese we're living in america we live in a country that was made up of immigrants we live in cleveland which is statistically one of the most diverse cities in america mind you and so if your entire friend group is mostly white What's what? I'm not sure. It's easier. It's easier to be with people that we feel comfortable with, right? And mm-hmm. and and it's not wrong to to have friends that are like us. But and I've had people very sincerely ask me, "I want to have friends who are different than me." Right. How do mm-hmm. I do it? How do I how do I find friends that mm-hmm. are? And, and I appreciate that heart, you know. And then just having to move on that and make it a reality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was it's something like that. that I wanted to say. Okay. Um, that's okay. Um, there was something that I wanted to say about what Tisha said about Jimmy. Um, I was Jimmy. I was Jimmy. Mm-hmm. I was the kid who took the apple from the the teacher's mm-hmm. uh, the teacher's desk. It was me. I confess. And um, many, many parents separated their children mm-hmm. from me. So I just wanted to say thank you. But anyway, um. <laughs> 
brings to me so many people seem to spend their lives trying to appear normal, predictable, and consistent to themselves and those that surround them. And the word that comes to mind to me is mirroring. And mm-hmm. it points me back to the verse in Romans 12, 1 to 3. Do not be conformed to the patterns yeah. of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And mm-hmm. I think that there's something that could point to being almost sinful about that by striving away from like, I can't change. Mm-hmm. I have to be like mm-hmm. the people that are around me. Mm-hmm. I think that part of like the Christian walk and part of Christian maturity is to dive deep into yourself and say, I need, I am part of this world, but I am not of this world. Yeah. And I think that's part of like the Christian walk is to say, you know, all of these people around me in my culture and my upbringing and my values, this is what I was raised with. But I know who I am as a person in Christ and I need to figure out and dive deep into like what makes me different and mm. what do I value. And so that's that's kind of something that comes to mind for me. Mm. I love that. And then and then really leaning into what scripture says. You know, Ephesians mm-hmm. tells us that God that we're God's masterpiece, right? His handiwork. And and to say, wow, God, you Psalm 139 that we're studying right now on Sundays. Um, that that God has knit us together specifically, like he's made us how he wants us to be and to, to lean into that. Wow. I am, I am a unique handiwork of God. You are a unique handiwork of God. He's created you like he wants you to be. And instead of being like trying to be like everybody else to say, no, God, how have you made me to be? Cause there's only one of me and yeah, you want me right. to be me and not that person. Right. Indeed. It made me think about the um, experiment that they did. This was years ago because I heard about it when I was a teenager Mm. where they filtered all of these kids into a cafeteria, Mm. all different races, all different ages, just to see like how they would cluster together. And none of them knew each other. Mm -hmm. And like all of the boys went with the boys, all of the girls went with the girls. And then after that, the segregation continued where they broke down into races or um, athletic interests and things like that. And it was just a test of like how we group ourselves together naturally and how we just need to be more intentional about, or at least aware of how easy it is. And I I will say that for me, there have been times, I mean, I'm in, in predominantly white spaces the majority of my life. Mm-hmm. So there are times when I go into a room and I see another black person, I get excited. I'm headed. I'm taking a beeline to that black person. Like, right. Hey, girl, how you doing? <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> but, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to, you know, circulate the room. Right. But it just gives me a safe space. If, if there is some discomfort, I can go right back to that black person and be like, Oh, how, you know, how did you get here? How do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. Um, So I do think that there's a little bit of that, but much like all of us have been saying that we just have to be intentional about not staying there. Mm -hmm. Like I could go in those rooms and just sit there and talk to that other black person the entire night, Mm -hmm. but being intentional to go around and meet other people. Um, And there are times when I'm in those spaces and I see a friend who isn't, um, who is of a different race. And I may even sit and talk to that friend for the majority of, of the time. Even that isn't okay. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Mm -hmm. So I just think we have to be intentional about engaging other people, um, bypass all of the stereotypes that we may or may not have. And everybody has bias. Like you can't live in America and not have bias. We are bombarded with messages of how people are, how they're supposed to be, how we should receive them, what we should expect. Every time you um, hold your purse a little tighter or cross the street, what was that exercise that they did? That was a couple of, Mary knows what I'm talking about. She's nodding her head. I think we're the only two old people old enough on this podcast to remember that. <laughs> um, then you, you, that's evidence that you have bias. So I think we just have to be intentional about it, especially as Leon would say, as Christians, professing Christianity, like you can't, all your friends can't look alike. They just can't. And I think from both sides, from, from, from the perspective that Jesus loves diversity, right? I mean, you, you, you read the Bible throughout, you go to Revelation chapter five, verse nine, chapter seven, verse nine, and you see that we followers of Jesus are going to spend eternity with people who are different than we are. That's God's plan. So, so because of the heart of God, we should be building relationships with people who are different than we are. That's the should of it. But then there's the we get to of it because it is so rich. It's so wonderful to have friends who are different than we are. You know, so it's not like, oh, I have to do this. It's no, there is a huge blessing waiting for us when we intentionally do that. Yeah. So I'm I'm listening to this and I'm thinking like, oh, this is so good. And I, I'm kind of similar like with Leanne where like, I, I can be a little introverted too. Like some people are really surprised by that, but I'm, I'm introverted too. And so like, if you're someone who maybe, especially if you're like walking into a new space for like the same or like for the first time and you kind of scan the room real quick, you know, and it's easy for you to gravitate towards like, Oh, there's someone that looks like my age or, you know, like, Oh, that's, that's like my ethnicity. And so, so I'm, I'm going to go there. Like, what is like a practical way to encourage someone to kind of get out of their shell who might just like have a tendency to just be afraid to do that, to try something new? What do you think? I feel like I've been talking a lot. <laughs> <laughs> You've been I'll saying just and then I want to hear what you have to say, Dr. T or Leon or Jen. Um, I think going back to the golden rule, right? To treat other people the way that we want to be treated. And to say, if I walk into a room, I want my instinct not to be what's comfortable for me, but who's here that might be feeling alone or lonely or needing to be welcomed or new. I want my my instinct to be um, to treat people the way that I would want to be treated if I were in their shoes. So I think it's that, like you said, Leanne, Romans 12, 1 and 2, to be transformed by the word of God that we're looking at people with the eyes of Jesus and saying, who who can I show love to right now? Instead of, oh, I feel uncomfortable. But no, I'm I'm on mission here. I want to show love to people around me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm an introvert too. And I if I'm going into a room where I know no one, I usually the first person that engages me, I engage them. Because mm-hmm. there's uh, there's usually someone at the door greeting or saying something like, you know, mm-hmm. welcome or handing you a program or something. Yeah. You can engage that person first. That mm-hmm. usually makes me more comfortable after I've had that initial conversation. Mm-hmm. I also sometimes go look at for someone who's standing alone too. And I go to that person. I'm like, hey, 
you know, how did you find out about this event? How are you connected to this event? What have you? Mm -hmm. um, those have helped me through the years because I do have to go a lot of places by myself where I may know no one. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, but I am, an I'm, I'm like Jen and Leanne, I, I'm an introvert. Um, I get anxious before things, even though like my whole life has been being in public spaces a lot. It still makes me nervous and I find just engaging the first person that says hello. I'm like, hey, how you doing? How did you get here? Do you know, tell me about this event, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but I think, Dr. T, that is so encouraging to people who maybe don't feel comfortable walking mm -hmm. into spaces like that to know that it's not something that's come naturally to you, but you're so good at it because you've cultivated that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. I don't know if I cultivate it or it just... I adapt it. <laughs> Either way, you're doing it. A compliment, nonetheless. Thank you. Well, we just have like a few minutes left, and I, I just wanted to kind of have us think about this question: Like, do you think that Jesus lived a monolithic life? Well, I mean, he was constantly talking to people of all different types of backgrounds and upbringings mm -hmm. so he he was all over the place his mm -hmm. life was anything but monolithic mm -hmm. however his standards his uh his character was the same so that i know that's the cool thing about yeah, it that's a good thing but god didn't so, no but that's because god doesn't need to grow you know like, yeah there's no need to, he he need to grow he's not the one who needs to grow <laughs> So yeah, but he he represented a life though, like I like like what you said, Mary. Just like he loves diversity, and he was willing to talk to the people that otherwise no one paid a, a time of day right. to talk to, like the people that were considered like society's scum. You know, those are the people that he surrounded himself with. So. I think yeah. he was like, there's there's only one way to do this, right? <laughs> there's only one way to please God. And there's only one way to live to please God. How you get there is not monolithic. Mm -hmm. um, so your journey towards it. <clears throat> but I do think that there are aspects of Christianity, like our hard, fast rules. You got to do this, period. Point blank and period. Mm -hmm. A confession of faith, repentance. Um, those are things that, those are deal breakers. Like, yeah. <laughs> if yeah. you're just going to be like, yeah, Santa's my best friend and I'm just going to keep doing it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so I think there's, there's aspects of it, um, like Leanne was saying, but I think the journey towards it is all different. I mean, you think about all of the people in the Bible, everybody had a different journey towards Christ mm -hmm. um, and towards their faith and towards their uh, walk and relationship with Christ. Every, there's no two stories that are the same. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> I think that there's something to be said about um, like what Mary and Leah have been saying that like diversity matters to God. He, he recognizes and understands that we're all different and our path towards, we, and we may even have different walks once we get, once we do make the confession of faith and, um, and turn our, and surrender our lives to Christ. But I think that there are some hard, fast components of it that 
signify, hey, I'm a believer and I'm a follower of Christ. And those are the hard, fast things that Christ are like, is like, no, this is a deal breaker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm doing a study right now and they talk about how, um, if you look at the 12 disciples, how Jesus brought together people from all along the spectrum. You know, you have Simon the Zealot and Matthew the tax collector on opposite sides of the political spectrum. They had theological differences, but Jesus intentionally chose very different people to bring together to be disciples. And and there's a reason for that because he 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 loves that diversity. And um, they said, I thought it was kind of funny. They said, Jesus went to all the parties on all the sides and he made everybody <laughs> mad. People on every side mad too. Yep. Yep. <laughs> he did go to all the parties, he did. Every time you raise at some feast. (laughs) (laughs) I think that, I think that's a good, um, that portends well for our future. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait to be feasting with Christ. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right. Wow. All right, ladies, really good conversation, empowering, inspiring, challenging. Um, For those of you just listening Love for you just to subscribe so that you can always be in the know when we drop a new episode, but you can expect us the first Monday of every month. So thanks for tuning in to today's conversation. We look forward to seeing you back next month and thanks for being real with us.